From years of anxiety to warrior and mentor, Bradley Robinson created the Anxiety Project to help you end your anxiety naturally. Let's mold the new you and let's end anxiety together. Hello and welcome to the Anxiety Project podcast number 118. I am Brad Robinson. This episode, I'm really excited about it because I'm interpreting the movie Groundhog Day. Now, I'm going over the movie in detail, why it's so significant, why it has such a powerful meaning behind it, and you don't need, you don't have to have seen the movie to listen to this podcast because I go over the movie in detail. And if you haven't seen the movie, listen to these podcast episodes. I think they're, they are going to be three-parters because there's so much to cover. And I really want to take my time with it. I, I don't want to rush these episodes because there's lots of great things to unpack and unravel. So you don't have to have seen the movie to listen. You can listen to all these podcast episodes and then you can watch the movie after. But I'm going to go over each scene and talk about it in detail, okay? And why should you care that I go over this movie? That, like, that's a really important question. Why should you care that I'm interpreting this movie? It's because the movie lays out what it is like to be stuck in a place where you don't want to be, stuck in suffering, and what you can do to break the loop to get to a better place in your life. And it shows, this movie is brilliant because it shows the reintegration of the shadow. And the shadow is the part of us that we don't want to confront. It stems all the way down into hell. And Carl Jung unpacks this in his books. He was a clinical psychologist. He talks about the shadow. And we we see in this movie, Phil coming to terms with the shadow, becoming aware over a period of time of the shadow. And then he starts to work with those negative programs. He starts to become aware of all of those negative programs that have been running his life up to this point and how he gets out of that loop, right? So this movie is full of tools, useful tools. And we are routine creatures. We live in a routine. The unconscious loves routine. And it loves... It wants us to be automated because it doesn't want to think of every single detail throughout the day, right? And so we see in Groundhog Day, Phil gets stuck in a loop, right? He, he's reliving Groundhog Day over and over and over again. And that's us. That's human beings. We, we are reliving. We can be reliving the same day over and over and over again. And... Anxiety sufferers are stuck in that loop. They're reliving suffering every day. Every day becomes repetitive. You may be working at a job that you find to be unfulfilling and you're just unhappy and you're in that loop. And I was in that loop for a long time. 
So this movie shows how you can break out of that loop, out of, out of that suffering and get to a better place in your life. Finding that meaning, right? And Phil eventually finds the meaning at the end of this movie. So let's walk through the movie and unravel the meaning that is embedded in this movie. I mean, this movie, every time I watch this movie, there's layers that unravel every time because this movie is so deep. It's inexhaustible in its content, in its meaning. That's why it's a classic movie. And so I think the best way to to explain the journey of self-realization, awakening, coming to terms with the ego, the shadow, is through this movie and picking it apart. So let's get into it. So the opening lines of the movie, when so the credits are rolling, um, the title sequence is rolling, and we see the clouds, we see the weather, and then <clears throat> we hear Bill Murray's voice, the opening lines go, somebody asked me today, Phil, if you could be anywhere in the world, where would you like to be? And I said to him, probably right here in Elko, Nevada. And then he gives this weather spiel. So we see his hand when he's giving those lines, we see his hand in front of a blue screen. And then we find out Phil is in Pittsburgh soon after. He's not actually in Elko, Nevada. So already we see his sarcasm. We see his character. You know, where he is geologically, geographically, is terrible. So we see his attitude already. He doesn't even want to be here. He's, he's unhappy where he is. So I think the first lines of the movie set up the premise of the movie itself. It's brilliant. So I'll read the lines again. So the opening lines go, Somebody asked me today, Phil, if you could be anywhere in the world, where would you like to be? And I said to him, probably, probably right here, in Elko, Nevada. So he's giving this weather spiel. And the movie is really... From these first lines, you, you already see where this movie's headed. It's answering the question, what is life like for someone who doesn't like where they are in life? And how do they break free from that? So he's unhappy where he is, right? And then we see the shot of his hand in front of the blue screen before the Nevada bit, right? And <clears throat> it was looking to me that the answer was going to be right here. <clears throat> Excuse me. It was looking to me like the answer was going to be right here, where we are now, right? Here, in the present moment, I, I love where I am, but no, it's not. He's, he's, he's wishing he was somewhere else. So we see Phil's sarcasm already. And we see later in the movie, Phil's happiness comes when he decides to change himself without having to leave where he is geographically located because that was never the answer. 
So the writers of this movie do a great job of insinuating that his eyes are set somewhere else. He's not happy where he is. And he is unhappy until he obtains the life in that warm climate. So he's seeking for more. And this relates to my old personality because I thought, you know, life would be better better if I was living in somewhere warm. I had this I had this bitterness towards where I was, right? Being in Canada, it's cold. It's the winters are harsh. I wanted to live somewhere warm. I'm not going to be happy until I live somewhere else. So it was this longing for more. And that is never ending, right? And that's what most people nowadays experience in a mundane routine lifestyle where they continue to purchase items that we think will make us feel complete and fulfilled, right? We live in a society where the media is bombarding us with information and its goal is to, to project a, a, a longing for more. Like you won't be happy until you have this item. You won't be happy until you have this car. You won't be happy unless you're living in California near the beach, right? So we see that Phil is one of these people that he's not happy where he is. And he has this idea in his mind that if he was living in Elko, Nevada, and not in Pittsburgh, he will be happy. So he's Phil is the embodiment of this type of person. And he has a prestigious career because he's a weatherman. We find out that he's, he's giving a weather spiel on camera. Because the, the camera zooms out from his hand, and we see that he's a weatherman. So we see that he is in a big bucks industry, especially back then when this movie came out. Uh, like people on TV are like, wow, you're famous. You're a famous person, right? And, and you have a great career. You're making a lot of money. So he's a person who's wealthy. He's wearing the beautiful suits because obviously he's on TV but he has a really prestigious career. He's in a big bucks industry. <clears throat> and being on TV, it can lead you more easily into a egoic unconsciousness, right? It, you can fall easily to the ego if you are well-known. And it's, it's funny because Phil refers to himself as a celebrity later on in the movie. So we see, you know, he's a weatherman. He's giving, he's giving the weather. And he's, he has a lot of sarcasm. And in being on the news, being on TV, it's part scripted. It's mostly scripted, right? And the news is not genuine because the words are coming from the writers behind the scenes. So you can look at it as the news anchor is sort of like the puppet, right? The, the mouthpiece, because all the people behind the scenes are writing the, the news pieces and then you're giving the, the news, right? But Phil, you can see Phil, he's, 
He's adding his sarcastic charm to his weather spiel. So you see that he's really professional. He's he's developed this uh, persona, right, uh, on camera. And we see when the lights go down, though, when the lights in the cameras turn off, we see Phil's true personality come out, right? And Phil pro projects the shadow part of himself, the, the stuff that he doesn't want to confront. He projects his pain onto other people. He's unhappy. And you can see Phil would rather be anywhere but here doing this news piece because when the cameras go off, when the broadcast ends, he jumps out of his chair and, 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 and is eager to leave the, the, the new studio. And then his co-host says, have fun in Punxsutawney, knowing he is not happy about it. And then he says to her, for your information, hairdo, there is a major network interested in me. So his ego gets hit, right? He reacts, he projects right away. And he believes that where he is now, career-wise, it's just not good enough. So he has this longing for more. And so like someone working at Walmart, right? You can be bitter and resentful about it, which does affect the people around you negatively. It only makes things worse because the people around you won't want to be around you. If you're at Walmart, you're an employee there, you're not happy about it, and then you actually show it, you project it out onto the world, the people, your other co-workers don't want to associate themselves with you. They'd rather associate themselves with somebody with a more upbeat, positive attitude. <clears throat> so it makes you dislikable, right? Or you can take responsibility for where you are now. You have this job at Walmart, you can take responsibility and and then pursue an aim outside of the selfishness bubble. How can you make the day 5% better working at Walmart, right? What can you do? You can, there's many things you can do, right? It's not the job itself, it's your perspective. And then Phil notices his producer for the Groundhog Day piece, Rita. And she is outgoing. She's having fun in the studio. She's in front of the blue screen. She's, she's, you know, she's just outgoing and, and she's having fun. And Phil, having never have worked, he's never worked with her before. He does not seem pleased with going with her. He sees her personality. He's like, oh boy, I got to go with her to do this piece that I don't even want to do in the first place. This is great. And then in the van with the coworkers, they're driving to Punxsutawney for the Groundhog Day Festival. So Phil has been assigned <clears throat> the Groundhog Day piece that he's doing uh, with, with his coworkers, Rita and Larry. Larry's the camera guy and Rita is the producer. So they're in the van going to Punxsutawney to do this Groundhog Day festival. And Rita says the festival is great. And the people 
think it's cute to see the groundhog. She has an upbeat attitude. She can't, she can't wait to go because the town loves this festival. The community gets together and celebrates this day. And Phil then says, people are morons. And so we see Phil's personality even more. He's generalizing, right? And we see a look at his view of the world. And really, is getting a new job position really going to solve his problems, right, at this point? Because even if he got a better job than this, I think he would still have the same bitterness and resentful attitude. And then they arrive at the hotel, which it looks beautiful. They they pull out, they pull up to the hotel. And then the next line out of Phil's mouth is, I can't stay here. I hate this place. And it looks like a nice hotel. And he's very reactive. He's a brooding guy. His humor is insulting rather than humorous to his coworkers. So we see him, you know, do some jokes, tell some jokes, and it's not really humorous. It's actually more insulting. And, the you know, he's the type of guy where, you know, like I said before, the person working at Walmart who's bitter, the people don't want to associate themselves with him, his type of character, right? And so you see that with Larry and Rita, his team, his teammates. So he's already not a good team player, but his teammates don't even want to bother with this guy. They'd rather be somewhere else, right, rather than being with Phil. And Phil is the type of guy who doesn't want to associate himself with these types of people, with the people that are below him. So he thinks Larry and Rita and all the other people at the news station are below him, right? And Phil is also the type of guy to say things like, why do crummy things always happen to me? And, and, and he's not aware that he is causing his own misery, right? So everyone else can see Phil's shadow except himself. And the shadow, like I said before, is the part of us that we don't want to confront. It's the negative programs that run us unconsciously. That it, They're not working for us, but we are unconscious to see those underlying negative programs. And so Phil wakes up, he goes to a, a, a bed and breakfast. Rita hooks him up to a bed and breakfast. So he's there by himself, Rita and Phil are at another hotel. So Phil wakes up at 6 a.m. at the B&B and the radio goes off and we see a look of dread take over his face. You know, he's like, oh God, here we go. Another year of Groundhog Day. This is great. And then on the radio, we find out the groundhog's name is Phil as well, which is really interesting. So the groundhog, the groundhog's name is Phil. And then the main character in this movie 
His name is Phil. That's no coincidence. And I'm going to get into that a little bit later, which is really, really interesting. So he comes downstairs for breakfast and we witness Phil's small talk. It's poor. It's not good. So we see this when he goes over to the beautiful spread of food that's laid out. It doesn't satisfy him. He doesn't recognize the beauty and and how amazing this breakfast looks. He wants an espresso. So he asks the the B&B host, do you have espresso? And she's like, no. And then he gets upset, right? He's very reactive. He gets upset. And so I want to talk about this. He doesn't, he, he has very bad small talk when he, when he interacts with the B&B owner, right? He's very negative. He, he doesn't get espresso, so he reacts, he gets upset, and then he projects, right? And so we share, us humans share attributes with other people So there's nothing really individual about us, right? So we see Phil's persona here. And the persona is the mask you wear in public. How you function in a social social situation. It's what we allow other people to see about us. That's what the persona is. And you have to construct your persona over time. And it's similar to a Facebook page. It's what you want people to see. On Facebook, you have your profile picture. You have the pictures you want other people to see. And you post videos. You post quotes, whatever it is. So it's the outer layer of what you want society to see. That's the persona. And the persona is a tool for functioning in society. If you don't act well and adapt well to public situations, then you don't have a well-crafted persona. And so we see here here that Phil doesn't have a well-crafted persona. It's terrible. Phil is more identified with his ego, and the ego is stuck in unconsciousness, right? The ego is identification to form. Phil is more identified towards his thoughts, towards his emotions, towards his role, right? His identity, the celebrity identity, the person that is above everybody else, right? And so to have a well-crafted persona, you have to understand and incorporate your shadow. Otherwise, you will be avoided by everyone around you. If you're not aware of the negative programs that are running you and that are causing other people to dislike you, that that is causing you to run into a lot of brick walls in your life, then if you're not aware of that programming, then you're not going to have a well-crafted persona. You're not going to care about your persona even, even a little bit. You're not going to care about how you present yourself in public. And Phil is so identified with his ego that we see in this scene here that he treats this B&B owner like, like 
like she's worthless. Like, like he doesn't care about her. Like he doesn't even want to be associating himself with her. And so you have to convince people that you are civilized and social before you can go beyond pleasantries, before they can go beyond pleasantries with you. So Phil is stuck in his unconscious state, right? He's stuck there. And then Phil gives this poorly crafted, ungenuine, egotistical display acting as the weatherman to the B&B owner because she asks, asks him, what's the weather like today? She's making chit-chat. She's making small talk. And then Phil's like, well, it's going to be... It's, it's going to be cloudy and then there's going to be uh, brisk winds coming in from the south. And he's giving his weatherman spiel and she looks totally uncomfortable. She's like, oh my God, I don't even want to be here so associating myself with this guy. He's This guy is uh, so weird and awkward, right? And then Phil says, did you want to talk about the weather or were you making chit-chat? And then she says, chit-chat. And so the fact that Phil is unaware that it was just small talk, it shows you how unconscious he is, right? And then he leaves the, the B&B and then he walks by a homeless guy and he gives gestures of searching for money in his pockets, already knowing that he doesn't want to give money. Right. So then he walks by the homeless guy. And then a stranger excitedly runs up to Phil and says, It's me, Ned Ryerson. Remember me from high school? And Ned also claims, You know, I, I dated your sister. And then Phil has a, a curious, like, What are you talking about? And Phil says, I don't remember you. And so the setup here of Phil. You know, he, we, we already have a setup that Phil is a self-brooding man. And it's brilliant because it's not like we, the audience, we, it's not like we believe that let, Ned is lying, right? We don't, we don't think that at all. But Phil just wants nothing to do with the guy. And he wants to be left alone. Also, Phil just repressed this information and unconsciously doesn't want to recall it. Doesn't want to recall his past. But then he gives in and admits he remembers Ned in a broody tone. And he only says what Ned wants to hear just so that he can get him out of here, right? He, he had enough and basically says to Ned to bugger off. And then Phil steps in a hole of sludge as he's walking away from Ned. And this is this is very comical because it shows how unconscious he is. He's unaware of the sludge puddle. He's in his head, right? He's whatever's going on in his mind is preoccupying him, right? He's stuck in his ego. And if you're stuck in your ego, you're more likely to fall into a pit if your eyes are not open, right? And so Phil shows up on location. The Groundhog Day Festival is happening. And Rita is thrilled how 
lovely the townsfolk are. She, she's loving it. She's enjoying herself. She has an upbeat attitude. She's enjoying the small things. And then Phil looks into the camera lens and he's wiping his eyebrows in the camera lens. And he says to Rita, did you toss and turn without me? Putting, he puts on a pathetic display of unprofessional flirting. And it shows how Phil cannot properly read the situation. He has a poor persona. He's, and it's uncomfortable. It's really uncomfortable to be around these types of people. I used to have friends who would, uh, like I would hang around them and then he would attempt to pick up women in the shopping mall, right? And I would be hanging around him and his pickup methods were very bad. And it was kind of uncomfortable to be around him and and his persona trying to pick up these women. It was very uncomfortable. So I see this a lot. These types of people, especially men, you know, who who are not aware that their their tactics are bad. Like his way of picking up Rita at that moment and flirting, his flirting methods are just bad, right? And then Phil gives a half-assed, sarcastic performance covering the groundhog reveal. So he's he's on camera and it's just a half-assed, sarcastic performance. He just wants to get out of there, right? And the thing is, if you are uncomfortable in your own skin no matter where you go, you will be unhappy. You can't escape you. You can't escape the shadow part of you. Like I said at the beginning of this podcast, he wants to be living somewhere warm, right? We see his attitude. But even if he was living in Elko, Nevada, say, his shadow will be with him. He's not going to be happy there. Right, The dark parts of him always follow. The dark parts of you always follow you. And so at the end of the day, Phil, Rita, and Larry, they get in the van. You know, They wrap up the, the pieces over, and then they drive out of town. But a giant storm is what keeps the team stuck in town because on the highway, there's, a, there's an accident, and the cop on the highway says, you can't go back to Punxsut... You have to go back to Punxsutawney or you're going to freeze to death. It's your choice. And so there... Will be, there will be a time when you are no longer able to escape the storm and you have to resort to the harsh reality of the situation you are in. And so the storm in this movie represents that, right? And... And this, this storm came about the day I reached my lowest point before I recovered from anxiety, before I started my recovery journey. I came to the realization that I needed help. I needed to change my circumstance. I need to take responsibility for this storm I am in. And the storm is that, the perfect storm is that scenario. The storm is the 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 catalyst was the catalyst for my recovery it was it was it kept me 
it not I don't think it didn't keep me. I I should say it 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 awoken me to the realization that I, I needed to take responsibility. So at this point in the movie, Phil is just caught in a storm where he has no choice but to stay in the place he least wants to be in. Punxsutawney, right? Which then forces him to reflect on his life and himself later on in the movie. So the storm is is keeping him stuck in the place where he doesn't want to be. That's really important. Just keep that in mind, right, as we go forward. And, and, and this forces him to confront his shadow, being in the place where you don't want to be, right? If you are lugging behind you a lot of dead weight that needs to be let go of, a lot of negative programs that you need to uninstall, life will surely send you the message one way or another. For me, it was generalized anxiety disorder. It was all the symptoms associated with anxiety. Life was just telling me, Brad, you have to change. You can't continue to live like this, right? And so your body will send you the message, definitely. Life itself will send you the message, So the storm here in the movie represents the final straw. It's time to face those problems and storms bring out your true character. And we're going to see the storm bringing bringing out Phil's true character uh, going forward in the movie. And so back at the hotel in Punxsutawney, we see Phil's bitterness at full force because in the bar... They're having drinks, Rita, Phil, and Larry. They're having drinks together. And then Phil makes fun of Larry's sweater. But it's in a bitter sort of way. Phil doesn't really have a good sense of humor. Not not, not at all, actually. It's actually more insulting than humorous. So we see that he's unsocial. And you can tell Rita and Larry would rather be somewhere else rather than hang out with Phil. Like he's just has that negative energy that repels you. And then after that, Phil goes and takes a shower, but the shower turns out to be freezing cold and he freaks out and and, and jumps out of the shower. And so that's the end of the the day. So they're trapped in Punxsutawney. Um, There's a storm. And he, Phil is forced to stay in a place where he doesn't want to be, right? And so now, at this point in the movie, the repeating days begin, right? The day repeats itself. So the storm has forced Phil into an awakening because the storm kept him in a place where he doesn't want to be. And so now he is forced to confront really the shadow parts of himself. Really, that's what we're going to see going forward in the movie. And so... He wakes up and and things are a little bit off, right? He walks downstairs in this depersonalization state because things seem like they're repeating itself, right? And depersonalization is being, is feeling automated, is that feeling of being automated, like, like everything doesn't seem real. 
that you're in this unknown, unknown territory, that you're in chaos. And it's caused from our anxiety systems, right? And, and things seem unreal and we get a lot of interesting symptoms such as lightheadedness, dizziness, uh, racing minds, uh, uh, loss of balance, and it's quite unpleasant to say the least because I experienced a lot of depersonalization when I struggled with anxiety in the past. And so he, he can't make sense of the world or where he is exactly, right? Phil comes downstairs and he doesn't know what is going on. It's like reality is like there is no reality anymore. He's in this chaos. He's in this unknown, unknown uh, limbo. That's the word, limbo. He's in this limbo. So nothing seems real to him because the day is repeating itself. And he knows that. He's realizing that. And so this is a day of panic for Phil. He's in that unknown, unknown territory, right? Un and and it's, it's extremely... It's extremely overwhelming to an anxiety sufferer. And so we see in this movie, Phil is coming to different levels of consciousness. And it's this movie's so profound. Like it's it's absolutely remarkable. And and he's waking up each day realizing that it's the same day. And and that is an awakening in and of itself. When you wake up in the morning and say, oh my God, I've been living a lie. The same day has been repeating itself. I've been stuck in, in a negative loop for a long time. That's an awakening, right? And that's why this movie connects with us, the audience, right? And if you're living the same mundane life over and over and over again, then one day you are going to wake up and come to that realization that you're living a lie and you have been this whole time. And that lie is that negative programming that has been running you since you were a kid. And then realizing it has been sending you down a bad path this whole time, that you've wasted so much time and these programs have not been working for you, that you need to do something about it, that you are not who you think you are. You could have done a lot more with that time. And so with this repeating of the day, that's what it represents in this movie. He's, he's coming to that realization. Oh my God, I've wasted all that time. I've been running these negative pro Like he doesn't think that, but he, he's acting it out, right? He, oh my God, I've been running these negative programs for most of my life. And oh my God, here I am four years later doing the Groundhog Day Festival again. What am I doing with my life? What, what, I, I have no meaning in my life and that's painful, right? And so on Russell Brand's podcast, he, he mentions, he mentions something, something like this. And he, when he talks about his drug addiction in the past, Russell Brand says he awakened to his own problems when he witnessed other people living their lives without being dependent on drugs, right? So he had this paradigm shift when he, when he saw a different side of things, right? When you see a different side of things, it can be quite painful, 
because you're confronting that shadow part of yourself. It's like, oh my God, I can, I can live my life and not do drugs? Oh my God. And, and that brings up the guilt and the shame, right? So it's painful. And him waking up to the same day, the message here is that I'm doing this again? He's coming to that awakening. He's, his perspective has shifted a little bit. And because every year he's been stuck in a rut, who God knows how long, maybe his whole life. Because we even see from encountering Ned that he's repressed a lot of his childhood because he doesn't even recognize who Ned is. And so the universe inevitably tells you when you are not oriented properly and there are things you need to deal with. The dragons of your past will pop up right? And, and so with the constant lack of awareness, Phil is not able to face his shadow. But we see here, because the day is repeating, Phil begins to have awareness over himself. Things are not right. And like I said before, we find out that the groundhog the groundhog's name is Phil as well, which is really interesting because if the groundhog doesn't see his own shadow, then it's six more weeks of winter. And so I thought about this and like it blew me away. Like, could this mean that if human Phil doesn't see his own shadow, then he suffers more weeks of winter? And I think that that's true. And that's what's represented in this movie. If Phil doesn't come into awareness, doesn't become aware of his own shadow, he's going to be stuck in this never-ending loop. So he's going to relive the same day over and over and over again. And I don't think it's a coincidence. I think that's what it, the movie's uh, um, sending us, the, the message the movie's sending us. And so now that I've said that, I want to talk about the shadow briefly so that you understand more about the shadow and 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 what and and going forward you'll understand more of the movie, right? And so the shadow will put you in the same situations over and over again so that it can be reintegrated, right? And so maybe if you are placed in the same painful experience over and over and over again, you will realize the negative programs of yourself that have led you to these experiences. So the shadow is a self-correcting mechanism if you pay attention to it, right? It helps orient yourself in the world. Then when you become aware that this negative repeat is occurring, like Phil, it can be quite painful to, to realize that because now you have to work with that. Now you have to change that programming. So the shadow, I'm just repeating myself, is a self-correcting mechanism, right? If things aren't working for you, you have to look inside yourself and pay attention to those programs that have led you into this negative pattern, this negative loop, right? 
that's so powerful. Like that's just, this movie is just unbelievable. And so you cannot get rid of the shadow. You just become aware of the shadow. So once you transcend your ego, you're not your things, you're not your thoughts, you're not your emotions, the ego, then the shadow, the deeper parts of you that stem all the way down to hell, the shadow comes up to the surface. And so facing the parts of yourself that have not been working for you, the negative programming, and then working on uninstalling those programs will help you, well, your life will just get better, right? So the shadow is constantly trying to bring you into alignment with your natural state of being. So it's an orienting mechanism, right? And so to recap, Phil wakes up and it's the same day over again. And this, he recognizes this. So he's coming, he's becoming more aware. He's like, oh my God, things aren't right. And that's where I'm going to leave you on today's episode. I am going to do the, the next part next week. And so, so far we learned a lot. Well, this that's because this movie is so inexhaustible. We see at the beginning up to this point that Phil has a bad persona. He can't communicate with other people. He has a lot of things under the surface. His shadow is 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 screaming out because he's projecting his his ego onto his coworkers. No one wants to be around him. He he's miserable, he's bitter. He doesn't even like where he is. He, he, there's no meaning in his life. And so next week, I'm getting into the the second part where he shows up and Rita, he, he's like, I, I, Rita, can you can you slap me? Like, I, I, I don't know what, what is going on. Right? I don't know why the day is repeating. And so I'm going to pick it up there next week. And I, I really hope you enjoyed this podcast episode i i loved doing this like every time i rewatch this movie new layers just unravel even talking to you like i'm figuring out things as i'm as we're t going over this movie together which it, it just blows me away how how profound it is so i'm doing this because it lays out beautifully how you can get out of that loop how you can find meaning, how someone like Phil, who's completely bitter, he's, who's completely lost, who has no meaning in his life, excuse me, uh, how, he can, how he gets out of that loop. It's, it's beautiful. And lastly, do not let anxiety define who you are. I will see you on the next podcast episode. Bye for now. Brad's powerful anxiety recovery program is available at unpluganxiety.com. The Anxiety Project program is downloadable and puts the power of anxiety recovery in your own hands. What are you waiting for? Visit unpluganxiety.com for more details. Recovery.